ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. What it is, what it is. Welcome and... We are here on our second week at the Palazzo Podcast. That's two L's and two Z's for those of you that don't know. We're going to be doing our mock draft, and this is the second half. Uh, This week, I'm going to be taking the place of Michael Govier. I'm Sam Wershing, or at SamFBB1 on Twitter. And I've got the smart guy over that way, right over there. I got Ben. Ben, why don't you say hi to the people and tell them where they can find you and what you're working on. All right, well, uh, Ben Chase, and I am at Big Gentle Ben on Twitter, while Twitter still is alive on all that good stuff. Um, and we are going to start working here on the draft, and starting at pick number 16, our boy Phil can't make it today, so you're going to get my evaluation on every pick. Uh, but we've got the back half of the first round, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what the Mets and Dodgers might do as well. They are not in the technically in the first round, but we'll talk about them too. So we're going to get going very quick if that works for you, Sam. Uh, I'm I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Uh, real quick before we get into it, I just wanted to ask: Did you have a happy and safe Fourth uh, of July? Did you do anything over the past week? We actually, my brother just put in a pool at his place. And so uh, they've got a nice little slide in the whole nine yards. And so I got to go enjoy that with my family. And, um, you know, parents were there, had a cousin that, from out of town that stopped in. And so got to see lots of folks and hang out, watch the kids go crazy in the pool for a while, eat lots of bad food. That was always, you know, it's what you're supposed to do on a good holiday, right? Oh, absolutely. That's what you're supposed to do. We, uh, we have a lot of people that blow stuff up uh, around us, so we didn't have to invest in anything. We just yep. drove around and watched the world end, uh, so to speak, yeah. in our section of the Northwest. So it was good for us. Uh, but yeah, like Ben said, we've got uh, some names to go over, and so we're going to get right into it. Uh, they left us last week at Pick 16, which is oh, uh, had by the Giants, San Francisco Giants. I'm curious because their GM seems to be uh, really hard to pin down. Have you? Do they have a trend in how they draft? Do you have a good read on what they're going to do this year with that pick? You know, they seem to be really scouting the college bats heavy. Um, I think if the Giants were to have one of those top arms, top college arms fall into their lap, they'd be all over that. Okay. But instead, the way that the top 15 of our draft went, uh, none of those guys are there. So... Uh, they're going to be looking college bat. And quite frankly, they're at a spot where they're probably wanting someone that can move fairly quick. And the guy who I ended up giving to him is Jacob Wilson uh, from uh, from Grand Canyon State. And he is, he is probably going to move the fastest of any of the shortstop, college shortstops, simply because he's already a very polished defender. And he can really hit 
I mean, I don't know that there's a lot of power there. I don't know if there's ever going to be a lot of usable, like, stolen bases. For a fantasy guy, this guy might – Wilson might not be great. But for real life, he's going to be a really good ball player. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm really curious about the Giants because I don't, I don't think of them as an organization while they're, they're good at development. I would think they are more interested in older players. They seem to have older prospects that graduate into the majors. They seem to be a little bit more fluid with their lineups. And so uh, I could see that being somebody that they would target. They'd go out through free agency potentially to add power. They want glue guys, people that can come in and really play baseball behind the scenes up through that organization. So I can see that happening. So up next is an organization that has just for the last couple of years been just spilling talent into the majors. And that is the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I can't, you know, you list off everybody that's graduated uh, from prospect lists or just breaking out this year. And they still have a number of names in their system. Who do you see uh, them going for in this draft? So this is the first one that I'm really, I didn't have prepared, but I do know just in general, the Orioles, a lot of their draft strategy comes from that old Astros draft strategy, and they're looking for a guy who meets a lot of the sabermetrics stuff very well. Um, that or they want to get a high school kid in that they can mold. And depending on, they are, We've got a few teams here in a row that still are looking at seven digits in total bonus pool. Um, after that, you start to see that drop off pretty significantly. Um, so the Orioles would have the ability to step up for any of the high schoolers that might have fallen. And that's actually what I'm going to have them doing here. And they're going to go for Arjun Namala, uh, who's a shortstop out of Florida. And I I get it. They are just absolutely deep in in shortstops already at the major league level. In their, I mean, they have arguably the best prospect in all of baseball, who happens to be a shortstop in Jackson Holiday. But Nimala is one of those guys who I don't know if he's necessarily a shortstop at the major league level, but the raw talent is so far right. off the charts that right. they're going to be able to do something with that, and he'll be great. Well, and that's something that I think that the fantasy game mimics with the real life game is that you get uh, those, those athletes that come through and they're shortstops, but they end up going somewhere else, either in the infield or making a move to the outfield. And so I could see them just drafting on the baseball talent there. That yeah. makes sense. Now, somebody I believe asked is Noble Chase still on the board is Noble Meyer still on the board for the O's. No, actually uh, Noble Meyer is, is uh where did we have him going way back at number seven to the reds so he was off the board real early um and i know i know joe's the one who made that comment and i know he likes the idea of eldridge i like the idea of eldridge in in san francisco back you know going back one pick but i don't know that that's who they're gonna end up <laughs> doing um just because i I haven't seen that out of them. I, I do believe that they've scouted a lot of those type of guys. And so it wouldn't surprise me, but I just don't know that that's going to be, if they have that opportunity to get a guy like Wilson, that is probably going to be their best choice. Right. Uh, okay. So next up is we got the Milwaukee Brewers. Yep. And the Brewers are all college all the time. That's just, that's kind of their, 
their mantra. And this year, that's going to work really, really, really well for them because there are some really good college bats that normally would be a top 10 type of pick that are that's still sitting on there on the board right now. And I have them going for uh, Braden Taylor, uh, who is, I'm trying to, he's a third baseman and I'm uh, from TCU. And so just a ton of raw talent I, or a ton of raw power. I really like what he could do overall with that bat. I think he's going to be a nice fit. Um, I, you know, defensively, he's a guy who can stick at third and that's, you know, there's a lot of folks who say right now he's a major league defender at third and the Brewers right now that they, they have amazing numbers defensively, but they just don't have that guy that sticks somewhere like that. Do you think he's got the hit tool to stay too? I, I think he does. Um, as far as overall, like if you wanted a power hitter left on the board, I think he's probably your best option. Okay. Um, that's, you know, but I, it'll be very interesting to watch how that falls. Uh, simply just, you know, the way that this draft falls, there's so many good college bats. It could absolutely be any one of a number of guys that happens to land in the lap of somebody. Right. Um, and that's kind of the, exactly the team we have coming up next is a really good, whoever falls in our lap sort of type of team. Well, yeah. With the Tampa Bay Rays, I was going to say real quick that, as you're talking about these college bats, uh, there's only been, uh, I saw this on Twitter, uh, and I didn't, I didn't research it myself, but I'm assuming it was true that there's only been two college outfield bats ever taken one overall, uh, in the history of the draft. There was, uh, uh, who's that, uh, outfielder for the angels, um, my brain just went, so it's gone. <laughs> it's right, but... Two of these outfielders from college, and this year, there's so much elite college bats that are are out there. This this draft is so deep with these things that it, you know, a couple of years ago, he could have been a top five pick overall. So I I really I really like that pick. I, I like Braden Taylor a lot out of TCU. You know, yeah. I asked about the bat, but that's. It's, it's his bat that, that lets us dream on that power. He actually has a hit tool. He's really solid uh, as a baseball player. So I'm looking forward to him. So, yeah, so we're, we, we go now to pick 19 in the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and this is uh, a, an organization that just does whatever they want and mm-hmm. seems to more often than not make the right moves. You know, we see that being borne out at their major league level, but they're their farm system has always been one of their strengths. And so it, based on the way that our mock has gone, uh, how do you see them picking? You know, there's a guy who's been kind of, I've been worried, wondering where he's going to fall. And I really think that the Rays are the one who pulled the trigger on Thomas White, the left-handed uh, pitcher out of high school in Massachusetts. There's such a dearth of lefty pitch or of, of any lefty pitching, whether it's high school or college in this year's draft. And the Rays are just amazing at, I'm going to pick the guy who, or we're going to pick the guy who's in a spot of draft weakness. And right. they're so good at getting that. And then they just develop the player into a stud. I think White is one of those that could be an absolute elite pitcher down the road, but give him the time in the, uh, uh, 
into the uh, Ray's system, and I think you're going to really like how he ends up turning out. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about a lot of the Rays arms. I've also noticed that the Rays, and I don't know if this is just observation bias or not, but it seems like the Rays have been going through a significant number of TJ either scares or surgeries the last mm-hmm. few years throughout their whole pitching system. And so, uh, you know, I yes, I, I think that that would be a good place for them to for him to land. They do really well with evaluating: Are you a starter? Are you a reliever? If you're a starter, let's get you going. Um, but I, I, I just have that in the back of my head. So I just wanted to say that out there. Not that I wish injury on anybody. Uh, this is Ben and Sam bringing you the 2023 Palazzo podcast, MLB mock draft. That's two L's and two Z's. And now we're going to go on to, uh, a team that my team beat in the playoffs. We're starting to get into some teams that have had some real success at the major league level the last couple of years. And so, I'm real curious. Uh, this is also, I think, where you get the most amount of fluctuation from drafting from where you would think somebody would draft on the board versus where they actually are valuing talent because there's such a wide pool again this year. How any one club evaluates their prospects is going to be mm-hmm. you know, significantly different than other organizations. And so uh, I'm curious, where do you think the Blue Jays are going to take? Where do you see them going? Well, one of the things to consider here is we are we after we just had three teams in a row who are sitting with seven figures in total pool. Now we drop to two in a row who have six and a half or less. And that's a <laughs> big, big deal because yes. while the pick value here is three point seven five million, the overall value that the Blue Jays have for their whole draft to use is only six and a half. So. They're not going to likely be looking high school here, but this is the perfect draft for that. This is the perfect draft for them to sit back and wait to see what college guy falls into their lap. And in the way that this draft fell out, uh, Tommy Troy of Sanford has worked his way down here, and I really like the fit between organization and player with Troy and the Blue Jays. I think that that could just be a really solid fit for both. Okay. Yeah, Tommy Troy, uh, again, another shortstop, another one of these players uh, that comes in. You know, he's going into an organization that's got a significant depth and uh, potentially a cornerstone at shortstop for the next five to eight years. Uh, So do you see that he has any potential to move over to second or be an outfielder? I mean, he he seems to be a five-tool kid. So. He's a tremendous athlete. It wouldn't surprise me if he does well moving into the outfield. Um, I guess my biggest concern might be his arm and just exactly where it, I know that uh, I think pipeline, I think BA both give it a, a, an average ranking depending on your day. It might not truly be an average arm, but it's, he's accurate as heck with it. And that's the thing is that, you know, there's a lot of guys who lasted at third base with a less than elite arm, but they were accurate as heck with it. So that could be the perfect, perfect spot for him. If he can go to a team like the Blue Jays and the Jays are another team, they don't mind moving a guy around to get his bat in the lineup if he's got the type of bat that they want. This is true. No, that he could be a fun he could be a fun pick wherever he goes, but he's going to the Blue Jays in our draft. 
So up next is the St. Louis Cardinals, and they seem to be this awkward farm team for the rest of Major League Baseball. They're trading off, uh, you know, the last 10 years, they've traded off, you know, pieces from the top end of their uh, organization that have become real developmental pieces for other teams. So who are they drafting in the first round for somebody else this year? Well, the Cardinals have a bad or good or bad habit. I don't know if, how if you want to say that of finding a guy that everyone thought was just not going to make it to them and being able to make it work. And I think that that has happened here in this draft again. One of the more, one of the higher rising guys as we come into the draft has been Yohandi Morales of Miami and huge, huge, huge fan of his power tool. The kid just absolutely smashes a baseball when he gets a hold of one might end up needing to move to first or a corner outfield spot, but just, I mean, he has enough athleticism that I'm very, I, I very well think he could do it. Uh, it's just a matter of, boy, that, that power bat is just something elite. And I could just, that's going to be one of those guys that five years down the road, it's going to be along the lines of, you know, they're, oh my gosh, how did they get this guy again? This is another Matt Carpenter type of, you know, how the heck did that guy fall all the way to where the Cardinals ended up selecting him? Because I could see him coming around and being up very quickly and just crushing baseballs. Yeah, and they've got, you know, I I, I teased them a little bit as, as in the intro to them, but they've really got a logjam of young hitting talent uh, in that club at AAA and in the majors and, you know, I'm all for just like, let's keep putting talent there. You know, let's let's yeah. push to the right thing. And so uh, I've heard some Ralphie Velasquez talk around the cards. Not sure if it is a reach in the first or hope he falls to them in the second. Uh, what do you think about Ralphie Velasquez? I, I really like Velasquez overall. I think he's going to be a guy who ends up going in the back end of the first. He's on my list of teams that I had kind of prepped for. For a number of guys, um, but I really think that he's going to end up being someone who he's going to get picked by somebody who really likes the overall package that he brings with the bat. Because I just I don't know that he's a, a catcher long term, okay. and so that's going to be someone who likes the bat enough to say wherever he's going. So. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> he's trying to get you to read everything. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm Sam Morrison. <laughs> news to me <laughs> so if you've ever seen me before either in person or online you know the love that i have for the next team we're going to talk about i'm wearing the 95 lineup sheet <laughs> playoff game and you know i've got all my bobbleheads up above me to the left of me on the right on my screen uh, the Mariners have had significant success in the last five years in the DePoto regime, not only drafting talent, but uh, signing international talent. And mm -hmm. they're another team, and I think they, they don't get as much pub as like the Orioles do or some of those other uh, clubs, but their farm system is stacked. There are, there are ballers and dogs all up and down that lineup, and so... Uh, I'm I'm real excited to see whatever that front office does in these situations. Uh, play to Poto. Uh, tell me who is my team picking up? 
Well, and with the big amount of money they have, they have 13 million to spend overall. And that's because of extra picks that they have. They're going to be able to play around with this and really come after strong, come strong after one of these high school picks that has fallen. Yeah. I, I have them in this spot, probably torquing off a whole lot of teams behind them that were watching this guy fall and just loving it and taking Bryce Eldridge. Um, Bryce Eldridge. And right now he's still considered a, a two-way player, so it'd be one of those things where they're maybe going to figure out where to how to use him. But, I mean, six-foot-seven high school kid who just can crutch – crush baseballs when he's there but i really like his ability as an athlete and i just this is the type of guy i'll, I'll just put this out there this is the type of guy if the if he falls to the braves they're gonna do something really really good with this guy because they okay. are just masters of finding that two-way guy and putting him in the right spot whether that's austin riley whether that's michael harris um whether I mean they had Joey Wentz who was a really good two way prospect they put him on the mound so they have a really and you know Kyle Muller same thing they they have a good idea of how to get the most potential major league value out of these two way guys that come in um, they have yet to let a guy stay as a two way guy but we'll see um, I don't know if Eldridge is going to be that type of a guy or if he ends up I really like the bat. But he's got a heck of an arm too, so wow. um, it'll be an interesting thing to see what the Mariners do with him. Well, I love that, and you know, the there's the deep, deep Homer in me that has been anguishing over the fact that we really uh, minimized our payroll in the face of being the uh, the having the highest uh, profitability in the majors, and I really think that if the Mariners want to do something good faith that they need to make a 12 year, $750 million offer to Shohei Otani <laughs> and retire in the Northwest and to take that little Bryce Eldridge kid underneath his wing and show <laughs> him. Let's go. There you go. I, yeah. I actually I like that a lot. Actually, That's kind of funny, but yeah, yeah. It's not, I mean, I'm a Mariners fan. I realize it's not going to happen that way, but I, I'm still holding out. There's a piece in my heart that actively wakes up every morning and believes that story. So there it is. So off of my fantasies, and now we're going to move <laughs> to Cleveland guardians uh, who had a hell of a run last year. And in spite of their offense, not having the success it had last year, they played themselves into uh, the 23rd pick into this draft. And so, uh, they always have a really interesting uh, approach to how they draft people. It seems to be just a little bit different uh, than most. Do you have any ideas and thoughts about the, the Guardians' approach and who they're going to be going after? I I would be really surprised to see them go with a college guy here, except for one, and he does happen to be on the board, but I really think that they could be a nice spot for Chase Davis, but that's not who I've got them going with here. But he is, he is definitely a guy who fits their kind of mold that they would really like. Um, but beyond that, they're going to probably really look at who's still sitting up there to, to potentially work into their system. They've got enough money to where they can play with it a little bit. Yep. So I'm guessing they're going to want to go high school. And they have a hometown guy in Colt Emerson out of high school in Ohio and just would be a really nice fit in that org. Um I think he's 
if you're looking for the type of player that they could maneuver and has the raw skills that you want, that's the type of guy that they're going to be looking for. I mean, he's not a, I mean, he's not going to be one of those guys that's going to come out and he's going to be an elite shortstop. Right. I really think he might need to move to third. And then you could even say, yeah, he's a six foot one third baseman. Does he have enough power? I don't know if he'll have enough power, but he absolutely hits everything. And I just love his ability to hit. So I think that would work really well within the guardian system. It just kind of, it seems to fit them. Plus it's the hometown guy. So you got there, the home state guy. So it just, it's a really a good fit organization and player. Yeah. I think that's a good call for them for sure. Uh, that leads us to pick number 24. And that brings us to the Atlanta Braves who are having uh, a hell of a season this year. Um, and hey, Jamie, I, I, I will, I will tell you, this is the tough one for me simply because these are my guys and I'm a huge Braves fan lifelong and let's go. I, everything I keep reading is that they are looking hard in the high school class. And I think they would just do backflips to see Blake Mitchell still on the board here. And um, I just, I think even though he's a catcher and they've got Sean Murphy locked up for a number of years, you can figure out something to do with a guy like Blake Mitchell. He's got, he's athletic enough to potentially move off the position if you don't want it, but he's a dang good defender behind the plate as it is. And everyone anymore has a two catcher system. And so, I mean, that arm is going to absolutely, absolutely play. Oh my God. Yes. And And that's, and that's the problem these days with catching anymore is that we've had this renaissance at that position where you really just can't have a slapdick hitter at catcher. You need to have somebody that's not only calling a good game, but brings the lumber to it, you know? And so uh, I do think you're going to see more and more major league teams carrying two real catchers, you know? So I, I, I like that. I, I do think folks folks kind of overplay the Braves and Georgia connection. The Braves have had really strong inlets into Texas and into California in their last number of first round picks. I, you know, looking at those type of players, they've got a really strong scouting group in those areas. Mm-hmm. This, you know, Mitchell happens to be a Texas kid. You know, I'm sure that they've kind of bumped around just to make sure to see how what his numbers would look like if he happens to fall into their lap. so And the the Braves is just uh, one of those teams that it seems like a lot of young players want to gravitate towards that are in Mm -hmm. high school or college that, you know, you're deep in SEC territory. There's things happening all the time. And, you know, it it, it would be a great landing place for Blake. Uh, I think that would work well for both of them. So uh, up next is uh, the lovable losers and winners and strugglers (laughs) and – God, so much talent on that major league roster. I just cannot believe that they are not higher up in the standings than they are. Uh, and they've given up so much talent in the last few years uh, to stock that roster. And we're talking about the San Diego Padres. So yeah. talk to me about what do you think the Padres are going to do with that pick? Red alert. Red alert. Commercials incoming. Please be prepared 
to ignore them. These people are not your friends. These messages are intended to make you feel bad or that something is missing from your life. Red alert, commercials incoming. Prepare to enable the use of your 15 second skip ahead button. You are in terrible peril. Red alert, red alert, commercials incoming. In three, two, one. Uh, Padres are going to pretty much do what no one says they're going to. That's just the way that AJ Preller works. If you've seen somebody projected to go in that spot, you can pretty much guarantee he won't. Uh, but one thing that they are looking strong at is high school. And that's just something that they always seem to draft really well in high school. And in this spot, it, it'll be a really, there's going to be good players that fall right into their lap right there. And the guy that I actually gave them is Walker Martin out of high school in Colorado. Huge, huge, huge fan of his overall ability. Um, one of those guys that just, when you look at the overall draft tools, may not have any one that sticks out to you, but he's just one of those, he's just a heck of an athlete. And I will really like, yeah, well, if it's, if it's his last pick, then they did a nice job. I think if Walker Martin isn't 19 already, which he is, I think he is probably in strong conversation, a, you know, 10 right around, you know, pick eight through about 15. There's that much talent, but he's, because he's an old high school player, he's going to end up falling a little bit. And I think this is a good spot where the Padres can go, hey, we'll take that. Somebody doesn't want to grab him, then we'll do it. Right. Right. That kind of seems like something that Preller would do. And he's he's an interesting kid. He's, again, another one of those kids that does uh, everything pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and San Diego, you know, I'm so-so on them as a development organization. They seem to be doing some things okay, but I, you know, I'm, I, I haven't seen as much translate uh, from homegrown talent to on-field talent. It seems to be free agent acquisitions or trades into their minor league systems as they trade it out. Uh, I'd be real interested to see how he does because he's he seems to be one of those players that either has it or doesn't. Like I think we'll know right yeah. away with him in the first couple of years when yeah. he gets that system. So I think that's an interesting pick. Uh, that brings us to the evil empire, the yeah. New York <laughs> Yankees, the the team that has a really good uh, minor league system, but I think people dream on it a little bit more than what it is given the name of the major league yeah. team. Uh, they've had a lot of talent. They've traded out from that system in the last mm-hmm. couple of years, uh, most notably to the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm real curious. Uh, what do you see? How do you how do you feel about their system overall? And then tell me who do you think they're going to go with this pick? Yankees. What the Yankees do really well is they bring just in a crap ton of talent. I mean, they're they. A lot of times they will have one or two of the elite Latin signees. But when you look at it, the Latin, their Latin crop every year is one of the deepest of any organization out there. They bring in all kinds of players. And their first couple levels in the minor leagues is just kind of a, you know, I, I don't know how to put it better, but, you know, just dog eat dog, you know, and they're going to see who makes it above the rest and who climbs above the mountain and or of the, the stack and can say, hey, I'm a guy you need to be paying attention to. 
and move forward. Um, you know, they've had their random, you know, guy like, like Dominguez come through that everyone went, Oh my gosh, he's the next coming of no, no, you know, dial that back. He's still a heck of a ball player, but he's not that good. Yeah, that's just it. He's not, he's not the next Mike Trout. Um, but what they have been rumored heavily on is home state guy, Sammy Stafura. And probably one of the two or three best runners in this entire draft. If it weren't for, if it weren't for Enrique Bradfield, a lot of people would be talking about the speed of Stafura in the first round. He is incredibly fast and plays a really, really good shortstop. He's been a cold weather guy though. And so there's some development that has still got to come in that bat. The comps are out there a lot of him versus uh, Anthony Fold, Volpe, who was a very similar situation where it was a, a New Jersey kid that went to or New Jersey or New York, but an area kid that went to the Yankees and was developed really well. Um, but he is he is a very, very talented young player that he might take a, a bit or two longer than most would like to develop. But only because it's he's going to be one of those guys that takes a takes a minute at the lower levels, but then when it clicks in the lower levels, he's going to fly up to the majors. Because it's just going to be a matter of he needs to get that timing down. He needs to figure out his body, all those sorts of things. But once he does, he's going to just fly through the rest of the minors and be ready for the major leagues because the defense is pretty close to there already. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and that's I've I've actually heard a lot of him on Mets too, and so the only thing and the Mets have a, a decent amount of money, even though they're we're going to be talking about them in a little bit here, just because they were naughty. So, um, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> or not naughty, depending on how your view is, but we'll we'll get into it. Yeah, so. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so we have the Yankees. After the Yankees, uh, we have the Phillies who had a phenomenal second half of Mm -hmm. last year, uh, really had a great run through the playoffs. Obviously, everybody remembers that. Uh, Not known as a development organization, necessarily. You know, we've seen Stott come up, and we've seen some other things, but they tend to be a roster in the majors filled by free agents. And so I'm real curious, uh, actually, also your thoughts about the Phillies system as a development organization and who you think they're going to take. The Phillies have done a a better job than they're given credit for in getting guys to the majors. It's been a matter of what are they when they get to the majors. And I think a lot of folks had ideas that Alec Bohm was going to be this guy who hit, you know, 290 with 30 bombs every year. He's not that, but he's a viable major league player. You know, Bryson Stott isn't a guy who's coming out and challenging for batting titles while going 20-20 every year but he's a very viable middle infielder in the major leagues. Uh, They're they're doing that type of stuff. And the thing that I've been really impressed with as a team who's – or a guy whose favorite team has to play against the Phillies, they seem to be able to pull up guys out of the the minors and put into their bullpen and just find success for a short period. Um, And I don't know how that works because not everyone can do that, but – they do have depth in certain types of arms. It's, you know, they're working on 
what else? They have elite uh, top-end pitching prospects in their system right now. Andrew Painter is one of the best in all of the minor leagues. Uh, Mick Abel is incredibly good. Um, but the guy who I have them looking at, and it sounds like this is an angle that they're going hard at, is they are really looking at pitching. They've done it with Abel and Painter in the past. And right now the best arm left on the board, well, not just left on the board, but the the arm that a lot of folks are going to be starting to see interest in here is Charlie Soto out of out of high school in Florida. And really, really talented arm. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of his overall stuff. Um, there are folks that say that that fastball can play very, very quickly just because of the life it has on it. Um, so, and he's a six foot five kid who I could see them developing him very similar to how they developed Abel. Abel is not it. Abel hasn't jumped up holy crap fast through their system, but he's just kind of earned his way up every step. Yeah, and Soto has that. You mentioned he's six five. He's just got that that front line starter's body that you mm-hmm. you know you immediately look at and you have a bias for. You know, you're not you're not looking at a Max Meyer who's a tinier statured pitcher. You're looking at somebody who you're like, oh, you could be the front man of a rotation. Mm-hmm. So, and he's only 17 years old. Yeah, and, young guy too. Yeah, yeah. You know, high school pitchers are really difficult uh, to dream on, but he's one of them that has some real interest. And you were talking about his fastball. It's, yeah, I mean, I think that his fastball plays and whether or not he breaks in through a bullpen or breaks in as a starter, you know. Uh, I will give you that the Phillies uh, seem to manage their talent really well, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of what thoughts I might have about how they are as a development organization. <laughs> yeah. They win and they have, you know, you bring up Stott and Baum and it's, those are actual names that you can think of that like, oh, they came up through their system and they're doing it. it you know, five, 10 years ago, that wasn't always the case that they were really, you know, their world series team wasn't a lot of homegrown talent. That was yeah. a team that they put together and was like, let's win it. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I like the Phillies. My wife's from Philly. Uh, I'm a Jamie Moyer fan, so you know. There you I, go. Yeah. This World Series ring after uh, they won that year, so uh, always a soft spot in my heart for the Phillies. So, and that brings us to the last team to have a uh, pick in the first round, so to speak, and that was our World Series champion Astros, who uh, you know started this ten years ago by flushing their whole system and really, mm-hmm. you know. Not doing it like the Rays, obviously they have the, the Houston Astros have their own way of doing it, but they really, I think they are considered one of those elite organizations for the way that they develop talent, acquire talent, put things on the field that, you know, the results they're having this year is accept, is accepted universally as a disappointment and they are still a playoff team mm-hmm. in the top third of the AL and wins. And so you know, we have a, an organization that really does a lot of really good things. And that's both through the draft and through international signings. Like, uh, I really have a lot of respect for their front office. And whenever I'm on front fan tracks looking at deep prospects uh, for dynasty teams, if it's got a Houston name or a team by it, I'm always a little bit more interested if I hadn't heard about it. I'm like, what does Houston know about this player that I don't? So here we go. Talk to me about their draft pick. So... 
this is going to be a perfect draft for Houston. Houston loves to get themselves college guys who are advanced in certain things, and especially guys who happen to know their who have those really, really good uh, saber, you know, testing type of tendencies. Who has a they have a fastball that has all kinds of spin. They hit with oh my gosh velocity, and we could just do a little bit and alter them. And that's exactly the type of player I'm going to end up giving them. And that is Nolan Chanel. He has not yet been picked in our draft. And I I will be amazed if he makes it this far. Okay. Um, but he is, talk to me about he, why you like Nolan? Well, he is a guy who's – he ends up having all these really pretty numbers on his his exit velocity – and I mean, just his his ability to contact seemingly anything in the zone is really impressive. He's just he's a type of guy who can he can put good wood onto everything. Well, I mean, technically he's not using wood yet, but you know what I mean. You know, he's going to be using wood at some point in the near future. Yes, sir. And beyond that, he's not a zero athlete. So, yes, right now he is a first baseman, but. I think if down the road he needs to move, he could really move into – he could end up moving into, say, left field and being an okay player. Whereas the other guy I was looking at here was Wilkin, um, and which the fact that he made it out of the top 28 picks, I think a lot of people are going to be really surprised that Brock Wilkin is still up on the board. But Wilkin's not the athlete, and Wilkin's a guy who he's – if he can't make it at third, he's pretty much a first base only guy because he just doesn't have the type of feet to work out in the outfield. And so I think they're going to like the idea of being able to play with with Chanel or Chanuel or I, I'm, I I screw up his name. It's but he's he just he's a really impressive hitter. I think he's going to fit really well in that Houston development system. Chanel, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I I really hope that I didn't mispronounce it. And if I did, apologies. Uh, so that wraps up our 2023 Palazzo podcast, MLB mock draft. That's two L's and two Z's. Hitting you today. Me two more the- teams, though. Well, we do have two more teams, but that's that's the, the top 28 picks in a row. Yep. Now we've got some picks that are uh, in between pick 28 and the organizations that we have left to talk about the Mets and the Dodgers. I've got that correct, right? Yep. And, and both of them are, are here because frankly, their owners, they're the owners that we want to praise, frankly. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, We are getting commanded, commanded. I need to bring this up. We're going to go uh, read through the the draft that we have. And I'm sorry for my technical difficulties. I'm a dinosaur. I have to get this on my phone. There's a whole thing. Okay. So we're going to do this in reverse order. We're going to take it back from pick 28, the Astros, and we're all going to go all the way to pick one with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay. So... For all of you, uh, the the last uh, 13 picks have all been Ben. And then we're going to go Phil Ben, Phil Ben, Phil Ben, all the way up to Phil at number one. So pick 28, we've got Nolan Chanel, 
out of uh, Florida Atlantic. Pick 27, we've got Charlie Soto of the Phillies. Pick 26, we got Sammy Stafura of the Yankees for the Yankees. Pick 25, we got Walker Martin, and he is going to the Padres. The Braves at 24 take Blake Mitchell. 23 is the Guardians taking Colt Emerson. The Mariners, my beloved Mariners at 22, are taking Bryce Eldridge. 21 of the Cardinals is going to Yohandi Morales, who could be a lot of fun for them. The Blue Jays are taking Tommy Troy, the shortstop out of Stanford. The Rays are taking Thomas White. The Brewers, Braden Taylor. The Orioles, Arjun Namala. Giants are taking Jacob Wilson, shortstop out of Grand Canyon State. 15 and 14 are both the Sox. The White Sox at 15 take Jacob Gonzalez out of Mississippi, and the Red Sox take Matt Shaw out of Maryland. We've got the Cubs taking Hurston Waldrip at 13. Colin Hawk goes to the Diamondbacks at 12. Enrique Bradfield goes to the Diamondbacks at 12, or sorry, uh, goes to the Angels at 11. At 10, the top 10, the Marlins take Chase Dullender. The nine, the Rockies take Rhett, Rhett Louder. Eight, the Royals take Aiden Miller. Seven, the Reds take Noble Meyer. The Athletics take Max Clark. The Twins, Walter Jenkins. The Rangers take Kyle Teal. The Tigers get Wyatt Langford out of Florida. The Nationals are going to get Paul Skeens out of LSU. And for the third time ever in the history of the Major League Draft, we've projected that Dylan Cruz, the outfielder from LSU teammate of Paul Skeens, is going to be taken by the Pirates. That's a hell, a hell of a draft. Yeah. Really good. You know, I like those names. I think that's a good order. You know, like I, most mocks, we'll probably got half of them wrong, but I think that that's, well, that's, yeah. that's a good go. A lot, a lot of things change with one guy screwing around at the start of the draft. And frankly, I tried to project that with Kyle Teal early and that screwed up where Walker Jenkins and Matt Clark went, but that's going to be the type of thing that you'll see throughout right. the draft is like somebody grabs a guy that you're like, wait, who, what? And it just screws up screws up the rest of the draft but we have a lot of really good players left we the do the reason we and, and these two teams we're talking about joe made a great point in our chat um that uh every major league team should go past the luxury tax limit and lose their first round picks and then we could just start the draft in round two absolutely and that is exactly why the mets and the dodgers are where they are the Mets, because they spent the money, and yep. the Mets were where they were. They lost their their first round pick drops ten spots is what happens. That's the penalty right now, and so that's going to be why you see the Mets picking thirty two and the Dodgers picking at thirty six. That's why. Now, what the Mets might do, I really like them to go high school here. Okay. There's, their development system is such that they have a lot of young players already up in the majors. They have a really solid, uh, really solid system overall. I could see them going with someone like a like a Kevin McGonigal if he's still on the board. Like a a real, I don't want to say high floor high school kid because there is no such thing as a high floor kid who's coming out of high school, but right. someone who's got a really projectable 
skill that you can see working to the majors. You know, that Ralphie Velasquez is another guy that was brought up here as we were talking today. Mm -hmm. Um, Could see them really working on one of them. Um, George Lombard, who's just got all kinds of athletic talent. George Lombard Jr., mind you, not senior. Um, I could see him being another guy kind of in their wheelhouse of guys that they might pick. Um, So that's who I could see for the Mets. The Dodgers, the Dodgers are the team that everybody hates in the draft because they're going to come out of it about like the Rays where somebody's going to fall in their lap and four years from now we're going to be going, how the hell do they always have a top 10 prospect in their system? And it's going to be whoever they get at number 36, which is just ridiculous, but it's what they do. I really think the way that this draft has gone, you see a guy like Wilkin fall off. You're seeing a lot of good college hitters that have fallen, and yet Dodgers do a nice job with taking guys who are out of uh, who are high school kids. But you got a Chase Davis, a Brock Wilkin, a Jake Geloff. Um, you know, uh, just mentioned Joe Joe Whitman from Kent State. Um, you, you got a lot of really solid Jack Hurley. Um, you got a lot of really solid college players that are available here. And the high school group might have a lot more variability. The Dodgers could just say, you know what? We're just going to go for a guy that we know we can plug into our system and really see jump. And, you know, I, I, I could absolutely see that. And, you know, I will tell you one player getting to them that really would scare me as a, a fan of another major league team is a guy like Chase Davis. Yeah. Cause I could see that talent going into the Dodgers system, turning into just an absolute beast. Well, and that's, you know, that's the the thing about this draft in particular is it is so deep that it doesn't, what's the problem with falling back? You're going to end up with somebody that you can dream on that is projectable to a certain degree and has uh, a talent set that you're like, this is, I can work with this. You are doing things on the back end and the front end that make this, you know, workable. So I, I agree. I don't think this is, I think we are going to look at whoever the Dodgers pick is they're going to be able to take the, the highest upside player that fell. And that's, that's perfectly fine at that point in the draft. That's, yeah. that's who you want to take there. So I do have a curiosity. We were talking before when we were off camera that the Mariners are going to get uh, two of the next picks after pick 28. I believe it was either 29 and 30 or 30 and 31, something like, something that. like that. Yeah. So who do you see if, if the Mariners are going to take a couple of guys in that range uh, based off of who's fallen off the board? Who do you think those two players the Mariners are going to take? I, I really could see them jumping in on Wilkin. That would make a lot of sense, get some power into that system. Um, even though he may not work out as a third baseman, he may have to be a first base only guy. If he can beat the snot out of the ball, that's something the Mariners just don't have a ton of in their upper minors right now. They have some guys who have some possibility in the lower minors, for that, that Lazaro uh, Montes is really fun. Oh, yeah. Montes is great. Gabriel Gonzalez has been slugging. Yeah. Uh, Classe has developed power with his hit and his speed. So yeah. they have some names in the lower level, but you're absolutely right. Like, uh, uh, why can't I think of that? The the outcade Marlowe is one of the oh, outfielders. Yep. Like, He's he's good, but he's not he's not somebody that's a big bopper. He's like a seven eight nine hitter that's going to be coming up, or if he develops a little bit of a power t- or a hit tool, he might be hitting second. And but a guy like Classe is he's an all over talent. He's just 
he's not a whole lot of power, Jonathan Classe. Jonathan Classe. Jonathan. You know. But all of it in the last year. Like, he was the yeah. fastest guy in the Mariners, and now all of a sudden he hits doubles and home runs. Like, I, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see that hit yeah. tool develop power. If you tap into power, once you finish growing at, like, 21, you're starting to develop your, your, your man body, your prime body, but you're done with the growing – yeah. That's where I want to see that power come in. So I'm full disclosure. He's my favorite prospect in all of baseball. So I, I, I apologize for the, the clock. <laughs> Nothing it, wrong with that. Resist him up, man. I could see in, in the, especially in the way that we, we drafted this so far um, with the Mariners going big after a guy like Eldridge, who I do not think will be cheap uh, with their first pick. I could see them going after some kind of high floor high school kids that might take a little bit less money. Um, but I don't know that they necessarily have to go after a guy who's like a second round projection, just a guy who might, might've slipped down into the, you know, 45 range if he wouldn't have been picked. Um, you know, one guy that I think would be a really fun fit for them if they can pull it off is a big, is a Northeastern guy, Alex Clemmy. He's a left-hander. He's six, six. And I just really fun fastball curve. Uh, but I, I would be interesting to see. Um, I would be interested to see if, you know, what his number looks like, but a left, you know, with like we talked about, there's so little left-handed pitching out there. He's a guy who right now is kind of projected to go in the middle of that second or, you know, early in the second round, middle of the second round. If they could push him up into that, 29 or 30 spot they might be able to sign him for a little bit less than what the slot is right there and even that is going to be way more than what he would make 10 15 picks later right so you know it's going to be a, a solid move for him to be say hey i'll do that you know i'll sign for a little bit less than slot for you and allows you to move some money up for eldridge or whatever you need to do they're going to have that ability so right um bring this up here uh, chad asks about signability concerns the big thing I'm hearing is that there's some high school kids throwing out some huge numbers right now. And teams are just like, all right, because this is about as deep a college draft as we've had in a lot of years. So we'll, we'll see. I, I really think that the, the high school kids that are throwing out big numbers are going to likely back off of that because it's, it's just too much. You know, they're, they're, they're going to find out that there's enough competition for their same dollar they can't really say, hey, I want $4 million and I'm a late first-round sort of talent. Well, there's going to be a whole lot of college guys who are like, well, I can, you know, the the slot, the last pick we just made for the Astros, the slot for that is $2.88 million. So if you're a high school kid and you say, I want four, I'm going to college, there might be a lot of major league teams that say, well, enjoy campus. Right. You know, we got this option, you know, this college kid who's coming up and he's going to take three. You know, it saves us a million dollars that we can put to use somewhere else. And the talent change is not that big this year, which is a, I mean, that's a huge deal with a draft. Every year you hear of a lot of high school kids that end up at college. And NIL is a big, big deal. These kids that can go to the, to the SEC and make more money than they would make playing pro ball. Why wouldn't you do that? You know, why wouldn't you go to LSU be on one of the best teams in the country 
and make more money than you would as a pro player. Then build up your stock, and you, three years later, you're number one overall pick. And that's right. honest to goodness what Dylan Cruz did. This right. that's what he did coming out of high school. He pulled himself out of the draft because he was projected to go where he didn't really feel he was his talents uh, was valued correctly. So he went to LSU. That's the type of, the type of thing I could see happening. And we still have time. There are players that can still pull themselves out before the draft starts on Sunday, but it's pretty much down to the wire that if, if they haven't pulled out of the draft at this point, they're going to be picked. Right. And there's, you know, there's, this is, this is also the perfect place for, uh, those high school players that do believe in themselves and want to bet on themselves and want to have a better draft draft space. There's plenty of college talent coming out. It's not, it's not like there's going to be a loss of talent. If some of those players, you know, don't make themselves available for the, for the draft and go in and fulfill their college uh, commitment. So, you know, it's, I'm, I'm real excited to see how it all plays out. So, uh, we have come to the end of our show. Uh, I wanted to give, uh, the boss, big gentle Ben, <laughs> to give a shout out to where you can find his work and what he's working on these days. Uh, I'm just, you know, I, I, you can find me on Twitter at big gentle Ben. I'm, I'm writing up with Rotoballer and with the futures game this week, I profiled every guy that I had not yet profiled on the futures game rosters. So if you go to my, I have an article on Rotoballer, uh, do these prospects matter that I do every single week. Um, do these prospects matter for fantasy baseball? And sometimes it's a guy that, yeah, you can wait on. You don't need to pick up yet in fantasy, in dynasty baseball. Sometimes it's a guy that, hey, that guy should be rostered in redraft. Um, so, I mean, you, I kind of run the gamut of guys on there. And the Futures game is that type of a game where there's guys in there that I don't know if they've got a major league future. But they're sure fun right now. And so – we can cheer them on that this might be the biggest event that they're ever part of as a pro baseball player, but let's acknowledge that. And so I, I, I'm enjoying getting to go through and write up all those guys. Well, and that's the whole thing. You know, we, the best living is living in the moment, celebrating with other people. And so I can't wait for this weekend where we get to see all of these baseball players go out and celebrate and do their shit it's going to be in my hometown of Seattle. We got yep. to add Julio and George. Like, let's go. I'm super excited. I hope all of you out there are excited about baseball. Again, you need to get on Twitter and follow Big Gentle Ben for that knowledge about prospects, people coming in. If you just want to have a good time talking about baseball, that's your guy. Again, I'm Sam. You can find me at SamFBB1. Uh, my DMs are always open. You can ask me anything that you want. Uh, as always... Be good to yourselves. Be good to the ones you love. Peace and love. Power prospects is a curious thing. Make a person trade everything for a king. Wander Franco is your one true love. For a prospect, you'll trade all the Sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of process.